What's up, witches? What episode are we on? I'm lost. Is it eight? We Nine? are on episode two. Number ten. <gasps> Number ten. All right, that's awesome. This is episode ten of Inciting a Brouhaha. I am your hostess, Velma Nightshade, and I am Mr. Light. <laughs> And yes, yes, we are back again for another episode. I guess this is our March episode, I guess. Yeah, unless... I mean, we'll it is March, so... Yes. We'll, we'll Even though my, cal- my calendar still says it's December, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> who, who, who looks at those crazy calendars anyways? I used to look at it all the time, and it has screwed me up several times, actually, because I, I never replaced it. But it's still hanging up because it has a pretty picture on it. So I look at it every once in a while and I forget that it's not actually current. It's last December. You know. The day is different now. We, Just, are, we are able to actually use call recording software for the first time and it, ha- and it not screw up. Which means and, that, the, and, that the wonderful cadences of Velma Nightshade's voice can be fully recorded for all of her superfans to hear. Okay, you need to just get this out of your system because I'm getting tired of hearing about it. So just talk and just explain yourself and let's get it over with. No, uh, okay. Um, I was upset, but I'm, I'm uh, to be perfectly honest, I think it's a funny joke now. Uh, we got a comment on um, iTunes and, uh, well, then I got a, a comment for my show. Yes, we got a review uh, for the show. Um, and the reviewer, JC Zen, uh, let's just call him JC Zen because that's the name he goes by. Uh, said get Velma, a good name. Yeah, get Velma a better microphone. Well, I guess it's what a Zen version of Jesus Christ or something, and you think that's what they were going for? Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, um, that says, has not even occurred. Get Velma a better microphone. You're always thinking. Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently that's my problem is that I think too much. <laughs> I don't let you talk enough. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, okay, so okay. Well, that laugh needs to right. Uh, said uh get velma a better microphone or take her off skype and i would just like to say if if any of you out there have a teleportation device or perhaps a stargate handy um by which velma and i can get together in the same state let alone the same room to do this podcast uh because we are several hundreds of miles away from one another if you have one of those devices uh mr zen um would you please donate that to the show also uh if you don't like Velma's microphone. You may also donate to uh, her show. Um, you can go to witchesbrewhaha.com. You can click the donate button and you can donate and you can buy her a better microphone if you don't like it. Um, but you know what's really funny to me about that is I have a really good microphone. We just weren't using that, it. The, the, my microphone is not the problem. What? No. <laughs> so, but we just weren't using it for a while there. And I was having to pipe you. Well, no, I wasn't using yeah, well, that's very true. And and I was having to pipe you in through speakers and aim it at uh, a, a microphone because we every time we had tried the call recorder software before, uh, you sounded unbelievably loud and I sounded very, very quiet, which I suppose some people might like. But um, we've now figured it out. Yay. Firelight yes. has a brand new microphone and now we can use call recording software and all is well in the world again. But I, I do um, want to get your reaction to one comment that he made. Um, <laughs> yes uh, yes he said quote i would like to see more equality on the show velma takes a back seat too often 
Don't. Yeah. Have you listened to the show? <laughs> have you heard it? I will admit, the last couple of episodes, I have definitely been sort of letting you lead the way. But that's also because the last couple of episodes that we have done, I have been sick as a dog while we've been recording them. So that has finally changed. Um, I'm only sick as a puppy at this point. Um, so I'm, I'm getting over my illness, which means that I can participate more. It's really hard to, you know, be a part of a conversation when you're having to mute yourself every couple of minutes and cough your head off. So luckily now that that has ended, um, yeah, we have the opportunity to be a little bit more equal. But I would not say that I take a backseat to you no, at all. No, I don't think Velma Nightshade takes a backseat to anybody. And to be perfectly honest, if this guy really is your super fan, he should have a little bit more faith in you. <laughs> you know, I have to admit, and I don't, want, I don't want to pick on anybody, but I found it very interesting that he left us a review. And me and a review. Left, and he left you a review, but he never left me a review. And he, you know, he, he said all this stuff on our show, you know, left a review for us that was very positive about me, but there's nothing... You know, it's kind of like, well, okay, so I'm great, but I'm am I only great when I'm with you? Oh no! Aren't, Apparently, aren't I I'm the thing that drags the show down. <laughs> but see, but well, maybe maybe I just have to have you there to make me look better, and by myself, I suck. Ah, maybe maybe that's what it is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so because you do have a wonderful cadence to your voice. But um, I will Would say. You Wonderful cadence. Just stop it. It's just funny. It's just hilarious. But I will say, um, as I said before, and the reason that we actually did decide to use this as the starting point to the show, because typically um, I, I tend to not give very much credence to people that just write negative personal comments about me, because that seems to be what he did, especially on the comment about my show. Um, I tend not to give too much credence about people that write negative things about me on the internet. And there have been um, several <laughs> at this point, several message board posts and, and blogs and people. Going, you are, you are very controversial. I'm and a that controversial does, figure that does attract animosity and yes. hostility. Yes. And as you've told me personally for several times that if I don't want things like that to quit saying, please send your questions, comments, gripes, and complaints to me. <laughs> I just think it's interesting that the four different types of feedback you ask for three are by nature negative. Well, I suppose, but um, no. So anyway, so, but here's the thing. I read this at about 11 o'clock at night. I was tired. And the thing is, I say I read this. And when I say that, I mean, Firelight did not read this. Me as mm -hmm. a human being read this. And I was so not in the mood. Firelight had already gone to bed because he goes to bed early. He is a smart person. But <laughs> I as a human being read this. And... Uh -huh. Then I read the comment that he left for me on my, and, and that was really rude and very personal. And um, it really upset me. I mean, it upset me. I was up all night. I did not sleep well. I, I had, you know, I, I couldn't even get to bed for a couple of hours. I mean, it was like two o'clock before I even laid down and it really got to me. But what it made me kind of understand in the next few days is that, Firelight has become his own personality almost. It is a persona that I have truly uh, created and, and put on because I, I mean, you've met me, you know me, um, and you have seen me both as Firelight in Firelight situations and you have seen me 
just by myself at home. And I'm a much quieter person. I am a much, you know, just kind of laid back person in my real life. And I don't really have all of this. Well, well. relatively. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I don't have the bravado. I'm not as... I'm not sure I would describe you as quiet even in real life, but okay. <laughs> but but I don't, I mean, I don't have the bravado. I don't have the tone that I, I have on this, uh, on the show I or on the website. I'm not as as finger pointing and I, you know blunt and all of that mm-hmm. and it, it it kind of woke me up to the idea of identity of creating your own pagan identity and um you know I was talking to you about this and we had kind of decided that it might be finally time to talk about our own experiences with being in and out of the broom closet uh, with, with, you know, who knows we're pagan, who doesn't know we're pagan. And then, you know, maybe even the purpose of our names and those personas that we create. Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean, the whole idea of having a separate persona from who you really are to me, because I worked in radio for so long and I was on the air and I had a different name and, you know, I, I was that sort of public figure in a very, very small sense. Um, but I, I had that sort of development of an external persona. And it's very much like when you are in a play and you're, be, you're, you're portraying a character. Even if you try not to, even if you're in a situation where you're doing a podcast or you're, you're on the radio or whatever, and you're trying to be as genuine and honest and open as possible, what you find happens over time is you start discovering that your, for lack of a better word, on-air persona does sort of have its own little quirks. It does have its own little personality traits. It has its own little, it, it really is like sort of another being. And I think for me, I when you started talking about this, I just sort of went, well, yeah, duh, that happens. It hadn't occurred to me that, you know, that other people were unfamiliar with this because it's, it's gone on for so long in my own life. And I, I had never really thought about it from a pagan perspective, but I think especially when you are not only in the public eye, but also in the public eye as a pagan, even if it, even if by public eye, that just means your own local community. I think that it is easy to fall into the trap of becoming someone else. And to a certain degree, you almost sort of expect that from like actors, people on the radio, um, you know, possibly even podcasters, because there is this sort of, you know, well, I'm going to go, you know, put on my Velma suit and do a show. And that's not to say that I don't genuinely think the things that I say, but I don't know if you met me as just me personally, that I would necessarily be quite as outspoken and quite as... um you know, I wouldn't be quite as in-depth with my answers to certain questions or, you know, that kind of thing. And I think it's easy to fall into the trap of becoming something that you may not actually realize that you're presenting to other people. It is funny and that I, you talk about, just real quick, it is funny that you talk about, um, you know, coming up with answers to questions and things. There are things that I remember, you know, because I'm just a font of random knowledge and, um, <laughs> and yes, you uh, are. Th- there, there are things in my personal life that I kind of remember, but then there's things that, that I have begun to remember quicker or something when I put on the, the firelight hat, when I grab mm-hmm. the pitchfork. 
and there's there's pagan information and there's there's information that I remember from articles I've written and articles that I've researched and uh, books that I've read and stuff that you know if you just at, if you just came up to me on the sidewalk and just asked me and I wasn't with you or you know pagan friends or we weren't at the supermoot and I was totally not in that mood I'd be like I don't oh I think I know that I don't know but mm-hmm. when I'm here. There are a lot more things that I remember. I mean, there was a, a conversation that you and I had the other day where I just pulled this quote from Starhawk right out of my butt. That I And let me just say, as much as I loved that conversation and as much as it was fulfilling and entertaining and enlightening for me, I am really, really disappointed that we did not record it because that is probably one of the best conversations you and I have ever had. And now it's gone. And it was wonderful and we experienced it, but I'm sad that we can't share that because it was fantastic. <laughs> it was. But here's the thing. That's why we made this show is because you and I, we have very good conversations sometimes. Um, that never involve like fake flowers, and um, <laughs> which seems to be the only episode that JC Zen ever listened to. By the way, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. But it anyways, was a, it was a cluster. We'll fix it at some point. You yeah, know, yeah. We'll we'll go back and and create a new episode two that says well, this used to be episode two. Now it's not. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> No, we'll leave it there for posterity, but we may revisit the topic again because I think we've both calmed down. But anyway, please continue with your point. Uh, We actually may be revisiting that topic later on in the show. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, today? Oh, okay. In some feedback. I was not prepared for that, but okay. Yes, that's true. We did receive some feedback, yes. Um, But no, in that I I don't don't remember Starhawk things on a daily basis. I don't remember. I, I hardly have read anything by Starhawk. But just, you know, in talking to you and getting in that mode, all of a sudden it's just there. And, you know, I think that's something that Firelight remembers and that I don't. And I, I promise I don't have personality disorder. I, I no, personality and, and, disorder. No, but if you think about it, I mean, let's say that you do a, I mean, like, for example, where I work, um, I spend a lot of time on the computer. And there are just, and this, this may not be a great example, but just go with me on this. So when I am at work and I'm on the computer, there are certain keystrokes and things that I do over and over and over and over and over again to do certain things. And I go to work and I remember all the keystrokes and I do everything. And then I come home and I have never felt the need to do any of those, even if they would be useful in like my personal computing needs. I've never felt the need to do those things because that is a work thing. And I think there, you know, there's the work me and there's the home me and there's the Velma me. And I mean, everybody, I think, has these sort of subdivisions to their personality. And I don't think anybody is exactly the same all the time in all situations, whether that's a matter of you work in a very professional environment and you don't feel like you are free to express your paganism versus when you go to, you know, the local witchy shop for a Sabbath, an open Sabbath circle or something. I mean, everybody has different aspects of their personality that they, that they portray. I think what's difficult is to find a happy medium and not let any of them completely overtake you, which I think sometimes, and this is what I was trying to say earlier, I think that sometimes can happen in the pagan community. It can happen in a lot of communities, but I, I tend to see it occasionally in the pagan community and I have to kind of go, really? Really? You're wearing fairy wings to your corporate <laughs> job. Really? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, okay, so talking about being in the pagan community, there are things that we go to our pagan groups, we listen to our pagan podcasts, we go and be in the pagan community. And I'm really mm-hmm. glad we're not recording video because this would be hilarious on video. <laughs> um, yes, I love I love the waving of the hands in front of the, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so we're going and being in the pagan community sometimes and then we step out of the pagan community to go into our mundane lives, which is kind of where mm-hmm. we're all leading to. Um, right. So... W- what is the boundary and why is the boundary there between our pagan lives, our magical lives and our mundane lives? You know, because a a lot of people, um, you know, really no matter what religion you are these days, uh, people kind of hide it. I mean, Christianity, I don't think they hide as much. And, you know, maybe some of the top three in America, Judaism and and, uh, those that are Islam don't really tend to hide it as much. But there are a lot of times whenever people are at work and they are just sometimes very afraid to just say, you know, anything about their personal religious lives. What is it about our personal religious lives that makes it something that we want to keep separate? I think there's uh, personally, I think there's different motivating factors for different people. I think there are some people who are legitimately afraid of losing their job, their relationships, their children, their sense of security, whatever the case may be, because of the environment that they live in. Um, I also think that there are people who simply feel it's nobody's business. And so it's not so much a matter of them hiding it. Sorry, there's a cat fight breaking out behind me. Um, It's not so much a matter that bad. It's not Tinka. It's the other two. Wolfie. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, he pays as little attention to you as he does to me. Um, <laughs> but but no, I, there, there are some people who just think it's nobody's business. And it's not a matter of hiding it. It's a matter of, you know, there are only certain times and places and people that it is appropriate to express this around because it's not it's nobody's business. So, you know, I think that's also a factor for some people. Then there are some people that I have run into um, who honestly feel that if they are public or if they let people know that this is what they do, it is somehow going to rob them of the power inherent in being pagan, which I've never understood. I have a hard time getting my head around that one. Um, but, you know, I think different different factors motivate people for different reasons. I, I think it's kind of interesting that you you sort of talk about the um, oh, I need to keep it to myself or else, you know, I'm I'm not a good witch or I, I won't be a witch anymore kind of thing. This whole uh, notion of, oh, no, it's a cult, so it's got to be a secret or else something about it changes. It's not uh, good anymore. It's not as, as real anymore. Well, but part of the problem, it's not it's not so much that they feel, well, I won't be a witch anymore. It's that something about being pagan they're they're relating it in some way in their minds to having it be something that is very exclusive and hidden and if you... it ceases to be the, it's almost like it and forgive me we talk so much i don't remember if we've talked about this on the show or not but it's like you know this battle against the mainstream 
well, why are you battling against, you know, things being a little bit more mainstream and still being pagan? Well, if they're mainstream, then they're not cool anymore. Then they're not, they can't be pagan anymore because, you know, everybody knows about it. Everybody, you know, has seen this. Everybody knows what, you know, Halloween actually is a religious holiday, you know, whatever the case may be. And therefore, somehow it loses its significance, and I don't really understand that mindset, but it does seem to be out there in large numbers. I think we could call that the dirty little mistress idea of paganism, because there, are, you know, in psychology, you'll you'll uh, if you ever study psychology of love relationships, you uh, will find that there are a lot of times when people cheat because the not being caught, you know, ha- just having the secret in and of itself is what's enticing, is what's fun. You know, just having the the place to go, the mistress, the dirty little mistress somewhere, or master, you know. If it's, you're, it's, it's the risk factor. Yes. It's the, it's the, oh my God, I could get caught. Yes. That, that gives you that adrenaline rush, endorphin rush, whatever it is, that makes you want to do it. I mean, that's that's how a lot of people feel when they're engaging in addictive behaviors too, is the, you know, oh, I might get caught doing this and that's part of the thrill of it. And I think that there is some of that within the pagan community for some people because it isn't super well-known. It's not something everybody knows about. So it's easy to imagine that it really is this very well-hidden subculture when in fact it really isn't as much anymore. And I will say it is so it's it's this is kind of a a nice tangent to go on here because I I I have noticed so often and, you know, I'm you may have, too. I don't know. um, But when somebody first comes to paganism or they have been in, in it for a while, whatever branch of paganism it is that they that they ascribe to. Um, you know, and it's all hidden and it's crazy and they get to go to their meetups and they don't tell their parents or they don't tell their friends or loved ones where they're going because it's their own secret thing and it's, it's neat and it's fun. But those are the same people that are, are really kind of gullible in the buying into all of the pagan talk. You know, they're the ones that tend to really get riled up about the burning times and tend to get really riled up about you know, ancient Wiccan witch cults and all of this kind of thing, because something about it, something about it not being real for them, them not having to deal with it in real life ever, I don't know. I think it kind of cheapens it in a way that they don't feel they need to study it. They don't feel they need to go in depth with it. They can learn the hot button topics and then, you know, just kind of yell about those and scream about those and get in their their little groups and talk those up and it's it's funny because you know i think it just kind of when you when you have it be a dirty little mistress when you have it be the dirty little secret in your life i think it kind of cheapens it and i don't think that you honor it as much with with your study and with your ritual and with your practice and i think that that's true i had a point you said something just then, and I went, yes, absolutely, I have something to say about that. And then it completely flew out of my head. And this is why you don't always take the front seat. <laughs> I, I swear, I think I have the worst memory on the planet. Mm, and now the secrets come out. Yes, I do. I have a horrible memory. I can't remember anything, like, ever. Um, but no, I think I think that's true. I think that if it is you know, as you say, the dirty little secret, I think 
you are more willing to buy into things probably because you're not as open. You're not communicating with people. You're not learning, you know, what's true and what's bullshit. And you're not, you know, you're not really actively engaging in the community. Um, but see, at that, at the same point, I would say, well, those are people who aren't actually pagan. Like those are the people who say, "Oh yeah, I'm pagan," but they're not really those because are the I th- plagans, the plagans, they are, they 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 are because I think in order to actually be pagan and see, we're we're tiptoeing on the Uh-oh. on the edge of getting into a, an argument about Project Pagan enough, but I think in in order to deserve that title or that label or that term or whatever you want to call it. I think there is a certain degree of active participation. And but I don't mean that you have to be participating in a group. I don't mean that you have to be, you know, in a coven or in a community, you know, whatever. But just on a personal level, there needs to be some kind of participation in your spirituality. And I think if if what you want to use paganism for is to be part of a subculture and not as a spiritual path, I wouldn't consider that pagan. And I, I can agree with you to an extent, though, as the progenitor of Project Pagan Enough, I, I cannot totally agree. But I, I can agree to an extent of if it's something that you're ashamed of. I mean, it's it's not like you were born this way, Lady Gaga. I mean, you, you weren't born pagan. You weren't, you know, you're, there's no pagan gene that was passed on. Nobody's forcing you to tattoo a pentacle to your forehead. I mean, it's not, it's not something that you have to announce loud and proud. But if you are ashamed of it to the point where nobody knows, you, you do not study it. You do not uh, do anything with it other than perhaps time to time go online and, and troll around some message boards or something like that. I would say you're not probably a practicing pagan as well. I mean, you're not practicing anything. There's nothing being practiced there. You're just a, a pagan in name only. Well, and it's kind of the same type of argument that you could use for someone who says, oh, yes, I'm Christian, but they never go to church. They never pray. They never read the Bible. They never, you know, there, there's no action. There's no, there's no work being done on a spiritual level that indicates Christianity or anything else. I I don't see how you can really call yourself a Christian if there isn't any of that going on, I guess. And, and, you know, it's easy for us as pagans to say, oh, well, you're just, you know, you're just a Sunday go to meet in Christian, Mm -hmm. but we have them in our community too. That's very true. You know, and, and, you know, it's, it's easy to be critical of the Christians because so many of us don't like them, not me personally, but us as a, culture um we love we tend we tend to be very critical of christians probably because so many of us used to be christian and had some kind of negative experience or animosity towards them and so we left and so we have kept our resentment and our negativity and we're putting it places it really doesn't need to be it's very popular it's very popular in the pagan community to hate christians i mean it's it's like a dirty joke i mean you know it's 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 kind of like you know i've been to christian group things where you know people would make the sly joke about you know gay people or you know uh, 
it, it, you'll be in a, a group of dumb frat guys, dumb mostly white frat guys, and they'll make a joke about black people or something. And it's those little prejudices that you know we all think that are jokes, but that aren't actually jokes. So I think you're right in that it 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 is kind of in vogue to be anti-Christian. It is. And I, personally, I think that's part of the problem with the pagan community. And once we get over that, I think we'll be in much better shape. Project but that's pagan a discussion enough. for another time. <laughs> Go Project Pagan enough. Um, okay, so so we kind of created the dirty little mistress kind of pagan who is not really out to friends or family or anything. Sometimes they may go to a little group or they may go to a little place. Where they've got like a little store of, of books or something. And it's more kind of the thrill of being caught. They don't ever really do any research, but it's just, you know, they're a kind of a dirty little subculture thing to be a part of. Mm -hmm. The next one that we, we kind of came up with the, what about the online pagan, the pagan who, again, really isn't practicing really, you know, it's sort of like Are we the doing mystery... another stereotype show. I'm confused. <laughs> oh. Well, no, let's, let's, let's stop with the, with, with the online pagan. Let's not get there yet. Um, because I think there is a very short jump from the dirty little secret to the, if I tell anybody it will rob all its power. And I don't know where that came from, but, Within that context, you do have people who are very well read, who are very well educated when it comes to paganism, esotericism, occultism, you know, all sorts of things. But for some reason, there's this idea that if it becomes mainstream, if it gets to be something that oh, yeah. is accepted, if it gets to be something that everybody knows what the eight, you know, main Wiccan holidays that most pagans celebrate i realize not all of them do but you know if it gets to be acceptable then it loses all of its power and then there's no point in doing it anymore i'm not sure where that came from i, I mean either. i understand in the early days of wicca there was a lot of emphasis put on secrecy and when you join a coven you know everything is oath bound and i understand that but i i don't get why general knowledge would rob the spiritual path on a personal level from me or anyone else who practices it that i, I don't get that i, I don't either <laughs> i really have nothing to add to that i i completely agree i i do think that there are a lot of people out there that that have but I, you know not just about being pagan but about you know, I think there, that is more akin to being a witch. I think that that kind of mindset is, I'm a witch, and I want to be a secret witch, and I'm on the edge of society, and I am, I am, you know, she who lives at the end of the creepy street with the creepy cats. And well, and I and I understand the mystique of that and the romance of that, and I mean, I I get the allure, but what I don't understand is if all of a sudden that ceased to be how you lived your life. Why does that mean that all of a sudden everything that you've ever done on a spiritual level is worthless? Ooh, why do you say that? Worthless. Well, I mean, there's a lot of controversy within the neo-pagan community about paganism becoming more mainstream. That's very true. People do not want it to be mainstream because if it becomes mainstream, I mean, that's, that's what I've been saying. Oh, no. If it gets Woo! to be something, if it gets to be something everybody knows about, then all of a sudden... 
it doesn't mean anything anymore. It's worthless. It, there's no power to it. You know, you've if everybody knew how to do magic, there wouldn't be any power in I actually see. doing it. And I don't get where that comes from. I don't think, see, I think we're getting into that when to go back to the stereotypes episode. I think those are the people that are the anti-government, anti-establishment, anti-mainstream. But pagan. it's not, it's not just them. It's not just a very small percentage. There are a lot of people in the pagan community who fall into all sorts of different categories who do not like the idea of any form of paganism becoming more mainstream. People who were very anti-charmed and buffy and anti-practical magic and anti-the craft and anti-everything that seems to allude to something that may in some way represent authentic paganism of some kind because it will somehow let the public in on what we, you know, our, our secret knowledge. And maybe it is just sort of you know, building on the dirty little secret, but, and, and that that somehow strips all of the power away. I think that it's just, there are a lot of people that want to belong to a club and, you know, I, I think maybe paganism because it is not mainstream yet or as mainstream as, as some in the pagan community community might like, or some in the pagan community might hate um, because it's not a mainstream religion yet. It's not in the top, 10 well i think it's in the top 10 in the u.s but um e either way because it's not a big mainstream religion that everybody considers valid most people consider a valid life path um mm -hmm. you know it's it's i get to be behind the velvet rope and i get to exclude others and nobody else gets to be behind the velvet rope because i'm special finally i mean it's Right. I feel so outcast from society. I feel so outcast from... And there's going to be a lot of people that send me the hate mail of, Firelight, I do not feel outcast, but I still think that, you know, people shouldn't be blah, 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 blah. On some level, it is typically, and this is, you know, go to your psychology professor and ask them, and they will tell you that this is it, uh, typically. Um, that on some level, it is, you know... I feel part of an out group. I, I am in the out group, but in this out group, I can, I can find camaraderie. Finally, you know, I feel like I fit in and, you know, I don't want the pretty popular girl from down the street getting into my little out group to, into my little red velvet, teeny tiny little coven of, of three where we watch too much Sabrina. It's just, you know, <laughs> it, it it, it, you're right. It takes away the mystique. It's, it's all of that kind of thing. I, I think you're totally right. But I guess I, my, personally, my, my issue is I don't really understand why becoming more mainstream robs power. I can understand why there may be things that would be looked at from, you know, a more negative light from the pagan standpoint of, well, everybody knows about this. But I, I, my issue with it, my main issue is the whole idea that all of a sudden it's not powerful anymore. Well, I can understand. So it just, I, I don't get that. I don't get it at all. But anyway, you were saying something about online pagans. Let's move on. Well, but just kind of another level of the dirty little mistress, I have a secret pagan, um, you know, kind of another level of you having your own pagan identity and having a pagan identity and having a mundane identity is that person who doesn't have maybe the dirty little mistress pagan group or, or set of whatever. They troll the online message board. They're the online pagan. They're only pagan online. And, you know, not to, I don't think that this is too much different from the Dirty Little Mistress Pagan, but I do also think that this is kind of a cheap way to be a pagan as well. 
See, okay, we we tend to we're, we're we're creating more and more labels where there there don't need to be labels. To me personally, the only way that you can be pagan is in your own mind and in your own heart. There is no there is no I'm going to dress up like a pagan and therefore I am pagan. If you're pagan, it's because you're pagan on the inside. It has nothing to do with the outside, which was the whole um when we talked before about the stereotypes we talked about that, about how it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter how you're dressed. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Those are things that do not determine whether or not you're pagan. It's who you are in the inside. And I think what you were trying to get at with this conversation is how does who you are on the inside reflect when you are in different situations in your actual life, whether you're in the pagan community or in the work world or in your personal life, and how that relates to being or coming out of the broom closet. Well, yeah, uh, um, I, I guess we should probably just get straight to the, the question of the broom closet then, because we could really dwell on how out we are could. certain and people. We have, we and, have been, and we need to move on. <laughs> yeah. So, um, broom closet, uh, I'll ask you, are you in any sort of broom closet on any level? At work, yeah. at home, at, at whatever? Yes. <gasps> oh my god, witches. Velma just said she's in the broom closet. You know, what's really what's really odd to me is this is actually and I and I'm not I, I've always said I'm in the I, I've been in the closet, but the door's never been closed. Um but because of certain things that are going on at work and because of the potential opportunity to advance my career and get you know be you know move into a position that has a great deal more responsibility and has a great deal more in the way of you know travel and, and you know money. <laughs> well yes and money um but because of that you're a bad pagan I, you're gonna make more money sorry does it make me a bad pagan that then i would actually maybe actually be able to pay all my bills because <laughs> I would like to be a pagan that can pay all my bills. That would be awesome. Um, but no, I'm finding myself in a very unique position because in all of my previous work experience, I've never had to, I've, or at least I've never felt that I had to hide my spirituality at work. Now, when I worked for the radio station, I didn't wear pentacles to station events. You know, I, I, I put on a very... I put on a very generic public face because that's, you know, that's what you do. And it's, I was never told by any, I worked for several different stations. I was never told by any station that I couldn't, but I'm also not the kind of person that wears a pentacle all the time. I mean, I just don't, you know, there are other things that I wear that have meaning to me. I don't feel like I need to be, you know, that I need to wear a pentacle or, you know, I, anything. I don't, I don't have a pentacle. I had a silver ring that I wore, and to me, that just kind of symbolized, you know, my my own other life. Um, I have no idea. I think the fairies took it. The damn fairies <laughs> took my damn ring. So I have been searching. If you're a jewelry maker and you happen to make pretty silver rings, possibly with nice manly stones in them, um, but mostly just silver rings, would you, you know, email me, Firelight? <laughs> please because i'm looking for a replacement but um but no I, I had a pentacle and when i was 
I, I had kind of been studying since high school, but um, when I really first joined into a community, I think we all kind of go through that phase where we want the pentacle and we want the tiger's eye necklace and we want the little matching bracelet with hematite and, you know, you want you want it all. You want well, to be- and I'm not going to say I don't own any of that stuff. And when oh, I first so discovered some of that stuff, you so oh, I do. I totally, stuff. I totally do. I could put my hands on it in like 10 seconds, but but no, I when I first started studying, I was in college and you know how I dressed didn't matter and I could wear whatever I wanted to and I did and I enjoyed that and that was fine. But I have discovered as I have grown up and has as I've matured both physically and in my spirituality, those kinds of things they're not that important to me. There are other things that I can wear that are less conspicuous but that still have meaning to me and in a lot of ways have more meaning to me than just wearing a pentacle. I mean, for example, I wear a necklace that I had specially made that is shaped like a crescent moon. And I I had these made for the the girls in my coven. And so I wear it and it's just a crescent moon and somebody looks at it and they say, oh, well, that's pretty. See, isn't it pretty? Oh, Um, that is so pretty. Who made that? Um, a local jewelry store here in town. You should so put a picture of that up there and get them some business because that's I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm actually wearing it in uh, like all of the pictures of me that are online. So if you ever well, see a necklace, that's really that's pretty. But I mean that that's my point. That has meaning to me, and it's not something that screams "Hello, I'm pagan." You know, so <laughs> you know, to me, it's not necessary to advertise it. That's not to say that I'm hiding it, but. You know, I'm expressing my own spirituality in my own way. So what do you think? Because I I am a little bit more in the broom closet than you are. Um, All of your family knows. And not all of my family knows. Now, here's the thing. My parents, if you were to ask them and they were to be very honest, they would tell you, no, it's not Christian. Mm -hmm. Oops. Yeah, you might want to um, make a little note to yourself of the time of the recording and um, go back and fix that <laughs> or just put in a bleep or something. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to run this to garage band later. <laughs> you've, you've done that on your show in the past, just FYI. Oh, great goodness, goddess. And you okay. didn't edit. <laughs> no. Please uh, continue. They would say that, I, no, he's not Christian. And um, <laughs> please leave in the hysterical laughter. Don't edit that because that's great. No, if you were to ask them and they were going to be very honest with you, they'd say, no, he's not Christian. Um, I don't think that they would tell you, oh, he is pagan. You know, I don't know that they would really have the proper language for it. But I think that they'd probably say something along the lines of I'm he's a little bit more spiritual than religious. He's a little bit more you know, I don't know, he does his own thing, or they would say something very generic about that. But they have a very good idea that me firelight um, is not Christian. (laughs) Uh, But um, there have been times in the past, uh, especially when I worked for the government um, with kids, that my religion did come to light, and it was not by my own choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did, uh, help to cost me my job, um, which was very painful at the time and took, oh, probably eight months before I got another decent job. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I am a living, breathing example of, you know, a, a, you may not want to say, 
<laughs> your name well and to be to be fair at least from my recollection of that incident it was not simply the paganism no, there were other was, issues it, there it was as also well the gay it was the gay and the pagan the pagan was disturbing and the blog and i mean there there were lots yeah. of things um yeah. yeah but um but that was definitely part of it most definitely part of it but I, I, again you know i, I am I am very now cautious, much more cautious of who knows, who doesn't know. And I have adopted, it was a very hard lesson to learn, but I've adopted a, you know what, not everybody needs to know everything about me kind of of stance that mm-hmm. I had thought that I had adopted before, but I, I realized I hadn't. I was a little bit too free with telling people and, um, you know, I, I learned a hard lesson. And sometimes you, you have to learn a hard lesson, um, which well- sucks. Yeah. Well, what's interesting to me, though, is in light of this new opportunity that may be coming, um, I don't know anything yet, but we'll see. I'm finding myself actually consciously thinking, should I wear this? Should I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm actually starting to consciously think like I am in the broom closet, which is so drastically different for me because I've never thought that way before. Um, I've always, I mean, yes, if I'm going out in public on behalf of a company, I don't think that's the right time to advertise any kind of spirituality, regardless of what it is. But as far as sort of keeping this to myself, not for fear of losing a job, but just so that it can't be an excuse for not moving on, I'm finding myself actually consciously thinking about that. And I can't say I like it very much. Well, but can I just, I mean, I can, I just like to say, you know, I don't really think that, especially when you are going out somewhere as the face of a company, I, you know, that has really become very taboo in the business world to wear any sort of religious jewelry, to wear any sort of religious, I mean, and. You know, and I, I have had like that. you know my my mother and father are very very Christian. They were Sunday school teachers. There have been a time whenever they helped to kind of found their own little church. They you know they are very 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 Christian. But you know even they have a line and a point at which you know somebody coming to them and and preaching the gospel and all of that to them whenever they're really so not in that headspace whenever you know my mother is off playing her cello and when my father's off you know doing surgery or something you know there is not that is not the time for a sermon and they don't really want to hear it whenever my dad has to deal with drug reps he doesn't want to hear about Jesus the, you know the the saving blood of Jesus Christ at the same time that somebody's trying to sell him viagra I mean, you know, that's... Although I'd love to hear that conversation. Oh, my God, that'd be great. Very, very different topics, both involving blood. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you know, we do have those faces and and those those phases of who we are. Uh, But, But I guess my point is I'm actually consciously thinking... Okay, I need to be very aware of how I am presenting myself... And, and what I am allowing to be visible so that it does not adversely affect me. I mean, I'm not afraid of losing my job. Luckily, the company that I work for is very, very, very big on diversity. And, you know, they're very open to alternative lifestyles and religions and, you know, cultures and all sorts of things. So I I'm very lucky in that respect. I didn't know you worked for The Advocate magazine. <laughs> 
I I don't. But um, yeah, I I think that it's just a very interesting mindset for me to be in being more conscious of it because I've never had to be conscious of it except on specific occasions when I'm going out into the public. And so now I'm actually thinking of it on a day-to-day basis, which is odd for me. I, I, I do have a quick question um, because there were, there were a few other things that we wanted to get to today, but it, it just kind of dawned on me. The big question we are taught, we are kind of talking around the topic of the broom closet, but how did you or did you ever step out of the broom closet? Did you ever, you know, sit your parents down? No. And or No, I never I never had to and at the same time I never had the opportunity to. Um when I first went to college is when I first discovered the craft and I my very first semester I had gone to the Barnes and Noble in town. Um, and if you want the complete story of this, you can listen to episode one of which is Bruhaha. Um, but I had gone to the Barnes Noble in town and bought several books and read and read and read voraciously. And then shortly before my birthday, which is in October, so it was that first semester, um, I threw my back out and got mono at the same time. And I had to leave school See, and my parents had and to now come- that I know you, only you would throw your back out and get mono all at the same time. Oh yeah, and it was and and oh yeah, and it was on my 18th birthday. Of course. Thank you. That was a great memory. You yeah. have the best luck in the whole world with health problems. I do. You, you I do. I luck. I yeah. It's yeah, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. But anyway, I got really really sick. I had to leave school and my parents came and packed all my stuff up and took it home. Which meant that they saw everything. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So, you know, when you have, you know, Wicca, A Guide for the Solitary Practitioner by Scott Cunningham, and you have Buckland's, you know, Uncle Bucky's Big Blue Reader, and you have, you know, these books, it's pretty obvious, you know, and luckily I come from a family that is very open and accepting and, you know, tolerant not in a bad way, but, you know, I mean, not not that they just tolerate it, but, you know, that they have that level of acceptance and understanding that I didn't really have to worry about it. I have to admit, there were some snide comments on the part of my mother for a while, um, and there were definitely some, you know, questioning moments, but my sister, and I don't know when this happened, because I wasn't aware of it, but my sister had also studied paganism at some point. And at some point, now I don't remember if this was before or after I got sick in college, but at some point my father read Drawing Down the Moon because my sister had interest in it. So they, at least, at least my father had some knowledge of something, you know, I mean, he knew it wasn't like, you know, baby eating, devil worshiping cults. Um, So, yeah, I know. I hate to break it to you. Um, well, damn, but... I need to take those babies out of the freezer. <laughs> but no, so there was at least, you know, some level of knowledge there. And I I will not deny I am very, very, very lucky yes, at, at, the, at the way that that has worked out. And I am very thankful for that and grateful for that. And I fully acknowledge my own luck in that particular situation. But I'll never forget driving to the store with my dad and he, him asking me about Sam Hain. I mean, that, you know, <laughs> just, I love it. I Did you, you tell know. him that it was a guy that you fooled around with in college at one point? No. 
Oh, you I, should have. That would have been funny. That would have been the funny well, thing to say. Maybe I missed the opportunity. So but... has there has there ever been a time when you've sat somebody down or ha- just basically had to say, oh, no, I'm pagan or I'm a witch or, you know, called the phone tree at your school's PTA and after your sister slammed the three ring binder on Susie Q's finger. Oh, wait, no, it's a movie. There, there, there have been plenty of people I'd love to do that to. No, I haven't. Um, generally speaking, that is something that people learn about me very early on. If they are people who are my friends, um, I really don't have any friends from before well, I that can time just period. Say, I can just say I remember the day when you sat me down and said, Firelight, I hate to tell you, but I am not a Hindu Jew. I am not a Hindu. <laughs> I am indeed a pagan. And I just remember my shock. Because just, you know, all those statues of Ganesh that you have, and it was just a shock, and it hurt deep down inside, but now we're okay. (sighs) Okay, we're good. (laughs) That's okay. You've never come to me and sat me down and said, you know what, Velma, I have a confession. I'm gay. You've never done that to me. Well, you met my partner, so I'm assuming you know. Or do we have to have the conversation about how he's not actually my roommate? (laughs) (laughs) No. But I mean, my point is, my point is, though, that I mean, since since discovering this, which has been 15 years, um, I I mean, generally, that's one of the things that I tell people pretty much up front, if it's not already relatively obvious. I mean, Anybody who has ever set foot in my house, there is no question. There is no, gee, I wonder. There's no, hmm, maybe. There's no, no. There is no question. If you walk into my house, you know I'm pagan. If you walked into my house, you probably wouldn't know. I mean, now there's little things like you. Unless you you go in that back room. Yeah, well, my back room with with my library and my altar and my, my, my torch um, Your baby sacrificing altar, yes. Yes, my baby sacrificing altar. You know, but if you if you were a pagan and you looked around, you would probably say, "Oh, this guy's probably a little witchy, or at least he's a little there's there's a little bit of witchy to him." I mean, you know, I do have this enormous herb garden in my living room, and I've got candles everywhere, and I've got a mortar and pestle, and and little idols and things all throughout. But it's not. I am not dripping with the witchy as much as I would like. And um, that probably has to do with the fact that not both of us, both of us are not pagan. So. (laughs) Well, and that, and that's one aspect where I am lucky because I do live by myself. So I can do whatever I want. Well, and so all, there's witch, there's witchy dripping off everything that'll sit still. And and all three of your cats are pagan. You raised them right. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, at least one of them will insist she is a goddess. So, you know, (laughs) Don't let Bast hear that. Um, <laughs> okay, so one last thing, because I, I do want us to kind of at least come full circle on this topic and really, really talk about uh, being in and out of the broom closet. Um, because, you know, I, I I don't really ever have the conversation either. With friends, I'm I'm just out and loud and proud, and, you know, I'll, I'll tell you. I, but it's more of just kind of, like you said, I think, just kind of casually dropping it into the conversation, you know, it, happy Halloween, well, happy Samhain, or whatever. Well, any time I think about, you know, because there, there is sort of this, 
there's sort of this habit that a lot of people have in the pagan community where they introduce themselves to somebody and they say, oh, hi, I'm, you know, Starlight and I'm pagan. And I think to myself, okay, so how would you feel if somebody walked up to you and said, hi, I'm Debbie and I'm Christian? I can tell you from the emails that I get occasionally. It's not always appropriate. Yeah, I I can tell you from several of the emails that I've gotten in the past six months from some of the listeners of this show and, and my show, people hate hate when somebody reveals that they're Christian. And I just, again, well, that goes back to the whole anti-Christian thing, but. But see, that's my point. Yeah. That's exactly my point. Because for some reason, a lot of the pagan community feels that we have to, I mean, yes, I tend to be very upfront with people, but generally it's not just somebody I meet on the street. It's somebody that I think, oh yeah, you know, I, I'm going to, you know, be, you know, I could be friends with this person or I could date this person or whatever. What are you laughing at? You have, you have put your hair up and taken your hair down at least three times since the show started. And I get cold and I take it down and I get hot. So I put it back up again and then I get cold. Would you just stop picking on me about the hair? Can I make my please yes um but i i did want to get to what are our tips because we are the all-knowing all-wise pagans at the god and god of god and goddess of pod god and god we have gay gods and podcasting um only on your show honey that put together to give the great advice to the generation of pagans that are listening to us on the web um what is our advice for coming out of the room closet? How is the what is the best way to do it? Not that you and I really have any experience doing that, but let's just pull it out of our ass. Well, I I don't want to say that I don't want to give advice, but I don't want to give advice. Well, the fine. reason for that stingy. Well, the reason okay, but the reason for that is not that I don't think I have anything of value to say. It's that my experience at least from people that I've talked to is so different than most people's experience that I don't have any words of wisdom for what to tell a, you know, Catholic grandmother or what to tell your Mormon best friend. Or, I mean, I don't, I don't have any firsthand experience with that. I've never been in a situation where I have felt that I needed to tell somebody something that is so personal about myself that I feel is going to have such a possibly knee-jerk negative reaction to. I have no idea what to tell you if you come to me and say, my mother is, you know, a Hasidic Jew, and I need advice on how to tell her that, you know, I'm a Dianic witch. I have no idea what to tell you other than be honest, be open, and, you know, be understanding of the fact that it may take some time for people to accept that because it is so different than what they're accustomed to. That's all I can say, honestly. Well, I I have, um, fortunately and unfortunately, for those listening, I have been in the situation of having to come out of some closets in my time uh, to some people that didn't really want me to come out of any closets to them. Uh, You know, my, my parents would really have rather me not been gay and uh, you know, it, 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 it has, it was difficult at the time and it, sometimes it still is. But, um, I, I would just like to say that, uh, if you are thinking of coming out of some sort of closet, whether you're gay, whether you're pagan, whether you're coming out as green, I don't know. Um, but don't make it a big deal. 
I mean, the 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 worst thing that you can do is sit somebody down and say, you know, I've got something to tell you. Now don't freak out because then people automatically assume that it's bad and they automatically right. assume that there was I mean, there's some part about it that you were ashamed to tell them in the first place. Right. And um I don't know if any of you watch Will and Grace. But there was I love that show. Yes. I love that show. But there was an episode where Jack uh came out to oh god, his mother, his father, his somebody. Um, and he said, you know, mom, dad, I don't remember the episode, which makes me a bad gay. Now I'm a bad gay and a bad pagan. <laughs> I also don't own any share or Madonna, so you know <gasps> Okay, we can't be friends anymore. Okay, I have some share, I'll admit, I, so, because somebody forced me. They said that I could not have any sort of gay card if I didn't have some share. So I have, um, just like Jesse James, uh, by share. And I have, is, that the one that, is that the one that has Dark Lady on it? No, I, I have the song, Jesse James. I don't have the whole album. <laughs> I have the oh song. How can you not have Dark Lady as a gay or a pagan? How can you not have that song? Go to iTunes right now and get it. You have to have it. You do not understand. So the point of what I was saying. Sorry, please continue. Was that, um, what was the point of what I was saying before <laughs> you freaked out on me? Jack was coming out to his parents. Yes, and he said, he said, um, you know, I have something to tell you. And, you know, I, I really am kind of upset with myself because I have not told you before and not telling you before makes it sound like it's something that I'm ashamed of. And that's kind of some really good advice to take with you is that, you know, to sit them down, to sit somebody down and say, you know, I've been holding the secret for many, many years and da 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 da, da. It's, it, it kind of makes it sound like, you know, you're, you're almost ashamed of it in a way that it's something that you, you wanted to keep hidden because you just thought it was strange in some way. I mean, you weren't, um, strong enough in your own faith you weren't strong enough in your own sexual identity i mean you weren't aware enough of who you were you hadn't made the decision yet and that's i think what we were talking about about the dirty little mistress pagan i don't think that you've actually decided to be pagan until it's real you have to make it real for you and for it to be real somebody somewhere's got to know i mean you got to have it can't just be in your head because there's a lot of things that go on in our heads that aren't real. I mean, it's not real until you put it out there. So I think that don't make it a big deal. Don't send somebody down and freak them out. You know, just act as though, it, and, and be knowledgeable because they're going to have questions. Be knowledgeable. Have answers. Don't just Wikipedia what Wicca is and then give them the answers from that. You know, have some sort of research behind it, but, you know, that's just my own personal little rant about needing academic research in the pagan community. Um, you're rolling your <laughs> eyes there. What were you? What were you rolling your eyes at? Oh, no, I was thinking about how much I fundamentally disagree with something you just said, but that's okay. Oh, what was it? Go ahead. That's what the show's for. About it's not it's not real until you tell somebody. I don't agree with that at all. Why? I do not agree with that at all. Because to me, spirituality is something that can only be experienced in yourself. And in order to have that experience, that does not require that you share it with anybody else. But... Um, and the phrase make it real is kind of a, a colloquialism that, that has come out in the last, you know, probably decade or so, really with the uh, publishing of so many high profile cheating 
uh, cheaters and that kind of thing. And then we have the show cheaters. And, you know, that cheating has kind of become a big uh, perennial hot topic and everybody's always talking about it. And then I think the verbiage that people use, especially psychologists these days, is that, oh, no, you know, when they have the mistress or when they have the, you know, the, the little gay boyfriend and he's really a straight pastor or whatever, you know, not telling it, you know, he gets to go to a place where it's not real for him. It's not, he doesn't have to deal with it in his daily life. It doesn't have to affect him, in other words. It doesn't have to, you know, if it's not, air quotes here, real, it's not something that is going to affect his daily life. Nobody has to know. It gets to be his secret, and he gets to go about living however he lives, or she, or whoever, and they get a place of But fantasy. see, I think, I, think, I think that's where the diversion comes from, though, between adultery and spirituality. <laughs> that's a fun <laughs> sentence to say. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think because spirituality specifically, I mean, when, when you're talking about coming out of the spiritual broom closet... Spirituality is something that is so personal and that is so experiential and that's so, I mean, you can't, you know, you can go to all the rituals you want and the way that you experience that is within you. It's not, you know, it's, it's not something that has to be shared in order to have the experience. And it's something that if you don't have the experience, you, you know, you can talk to all the people you want to and you're not actually getting anything out of it. But don't you think that... So, that... I don't know. <laughs> That just keeping it to yourself, that just keeping it in your head, don't you think that some some part of that allows you to go to a little fantasy world at some point and then, you know, you don't ha- – I mean, it doesn't Poss- have to affect your real life. Possibly, but who's to say that re- any religion isn't actually just a fantasy world? I mean, you know, you're talking about something that is – I mean, when – okay, just to take to take the example of being pagan versus being gay – and I'm not real well versed with, you know, exactly because I'm not gay. And but you had your hat card revoked. I did, and I hate it. I want to be a fruit fly again. Um, but, but no, I, when you're talking about being gay, yes, there is the internal, you know, this is, this is the type of person that I fall in love with, that I am attracted to. But that also has a social component because the idea of being in a relationship has another person involved in it. So while fundamentally it is the attraction and the desire to be with a specific person or a specific gender or whatever, it's not something, at least in my mind, it's not something that is just experienced within yourself. You can have a very fulfilling spiritual life just within your own mind and within your own research and your own everything. There isn't a necessity for an external part of that. See, but but here's the thing about being gay is that, yes, I mean, to have a relationship with somebody, there t- it takes two people, but you see cases all the time. I mean, just hell, watch Oprah. And, you know, you'll see men and women that have been in heterosexual relationships that have never acted on that little internal impulse to be with another man or be with another woman. And then all of a sudden, 20 years down the road, they just can't take it anymore. Honey, I'm a big old les, and I love Matilda down the road, the biker chick, and she's going to take me and we're going to go be leather mamas together. 
And see, I think that's I think that's my point, though, is that there is an external component to it that doesn't have to be there when you're talking about spirituality. See, I think it is. I think it's the difference between making the decision and still getting to live in a world where you get to play both sides of the fence. I think that you are either choosing to, okay, I'm going to be pagan. And again, not everybody in your whole life has to hear the words come out of your mouth, I am pagan. But I do think that there's a community aspect to being pagan. I mean, in pretty much any religion that you find, whenever you convert to the religion or whenever you are baptized or you are blessed into the religion or whatever the faith is, there is typically a need for some sort of public declaration. There is a... A, uh, a communal aspect to it. We are communal creatures. And I think just being pagan on the inside and never telling anybody and never having any sort of outlet for it, I think it keeps it from being real, for lack of a better term, and affecting your life. And I think that you still get to play a little bit of both sides of the fence. And it's it's not... It's I don't know. I think it takes away from a sense of pride and importance of it being a a real thing for you that you you aren't making it important enough in your life. I disagree. I think you can be solitary and keep it to yourself and have a perfectly fulfilling and meaningful spiritual existence and have and you nobody don't have- and have nobody ever know and never reach out to anybody else in any sort of community and have nobody else. Nobody. I think that it is possible. I'm not going to say that everybody would want to be would want to live that way. But I mean, why do you think when all of these books started coming out about how to be a solitary practitioner, they, you know, they sold so well. There are a lot of people who do not have a local pagan community. You no, and I are very that's lucky. Very true. We live in places where we can you know, we can meet up with people and we can go to a shop and we can go to an open circle. And luckily, you know, we live in a day and age where podcasting and blogging and the internet is out there and it is a way for people to, you know, reach out and hear what other people have to say. But that's that I don't think that takes away from the desire to be the solitary witch living on the hill, you know, by the ocean and nobody ever knows what you do. See, and I would like to renege I, 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 now after talking it out. And that's the great thing about the show is that we can kind of talk out some ideas with one another. Earlier, uh, I talked about the online pagan and how, you know, you're only pagan online. But maybe that is the way that we are building a community. I mean, we are building this online pagan community. And maybe that is the way. Maybe, you know, just reaching out to an online pagan community is enough. And maybe that's enough. But I think still, I still think that if you aren't doing anything online, if you're not listening to podcasts, I mean, not just specifically podcasts, but, you know, if you're not trying to be in some sort of community online, real life, meetup group, Starbucks group, going to a big green man festival i don't know whatever it is if you're not having some sort of social interaction i don't know i still i i, I don't know but it would be interesting to hear from the listeners what they think about about it, it would in be and out. it it would be and especially about what i would be very interested to know what they think about this whole idea of solitary versus um public for lack of a better word because we are definitely on opposite sides of the fence on this um speaking of listeners we have a little bit of feedback to go into the denouement of our episode (laughs) a couple of i'm sorry uh, to go into the what can you use english please denouement it's 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 theater speak from my years in theater 
Um, it's the the falling action. It's well, not the falling action. It's the, basically the end result of the. Uh, oh, okay. My father would be ashamed of me if it's a theatrical term that I don't know. Oh, sorry. Yes, yes. go look it up. D e n o u m e n t. Denouement. Uh, anyways. Okay. We all learned. Moving on. Uh, we have been asking for questions, and um, we have been asking for questions because we are trying to write a book because we're dumb people and just need one more thing to put on our plates. And yeah, we don't have going on already. No, but we have gotten some really good questions. We have, and it and I can't pull it up right now because my internet's being screwy. Uh. Um, but we have actually gotten several really really good questions. From several people and well, keep them coming. J.A. Victor Wilson sent in several very good questions that are so good that we really didn't want to just keep them for the book. So they'll probably be popping up from time to time as uh, episode topics. Yeah, these, they these will. These are really good questions. These are really good questions and they lead into all sorts of really interesting discussion ideas. I'm trying to pull them up here. Well, because my computer all of a sudden is being stupid. Yes, please do. Uh, Velma, it's uh, v- dear Velma, whose voice has wonderful cadence. Um, Stop. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, there were lots of questions, but then one was, speaking of etiquette, how does one refuse an invitation to join a coven? A few of my friends with whom I have done magic on a strictly for- informal basis. Um, a few of my friends with whom I have done magic on a strictly form- informal basis. Okay. It's, it's not a complete sentence. Okay, Move gotcha. Uh, now, one of them wishes to start a coven with all of us. I do not feel comfortable joining since I am in my last year of university before postgraduate work. Universe, ooh, are you in Europe? Um, <laughs> I plan on going away for postgrad work, like Maine is the closest school at which I'm looking. So how does one say, ooh, Canada. Um, so how does one say, thanks, but no thanks, without sounding like a pretentious dick? Okay, don't ask me because I... Um, are a pretentious dick. Yes. Yeah. Um... <laughs> No, I I think she says that with all the love in her heart. <laughs> I do, I do. The very small, minuscule amount of love. Um, no, no, I think I think that for this particular question, you are in a unique position in school, wrapping up school, getting ready to move on to graduate school. You have a perfect built-in excuse. I'm too fucking busy. To be part of, I mean, what you have to consider, especially if this was something that was already established, if this was already an established coven, and it was just a a matter of you basically falling into it and going to events and, you know, all all of that, it might be a little bit different situation. But starting a coven is really, really hard work. It is incredibly time-consuming. It is draining. It is very fulfilling, and very exciting, but it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of focus. And for somebody in your position, I think it would be very easy to say, I'm sorry, I just don't have the time to devote to that. You know, if if you guys are going to do an open circle, I would be, you know, willing to go to that. But I don't, I mean, you should never feel like you need to be part of something that you're not comfortable with. And I'm not saying that you should lie and say, oh, well, no, I'm too busy. But it sounds like from what you say, you really are too busy to be on the ground floor of trying to start a brand new coven. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it's just, yeah, it's a lot of work. 
No, and it I, doesn't sound like you've got the time to devote to it. I have never been in a coven, um, but I dabbled in high, in college. That witch. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I will say, just to go back to Velma's point, is that if, you know, if, if it were an established coven, if it were already an established organization, that would be a completely different story. Because I can just tell you just from trying to, you know, cre- I, I have created and organized events before. And, you know, just speaking of the very present tense of try- of creating and organizing Project Pagan Enough along with Velma, um, it is a lot of work to create something from the ground up. I mean, pretty much anything is if you want it to be successful, creating something from the ground up, there's a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of time that goes into it. There's a lot of research. There's a lot of planning and logistics and all of that kind of thing Mm -hmm. or really anything that you want to create and be a, be a success. And, you know, time is all, all, you know, now if these are your friends, I mean, obviously these are people that you've done magic with in the past, according to you. Um, you know, they should understand. Um, and I don't know, there may be more to it of, you know, we're friends. And now, you know, you may also want to consider, well, now all of your friends are going to be, or well, a few of your friends who are your magic friends are going off to be in this coven. And, you know, that you may also want to go ahead and note that that may create a, a little bubble inside your friendship. And I, I would hope that it doesn't yeah. cost your friendship at all. Uh, because it, it, you know, it could become difficult. So, but let him know. Say, hey, I'm, I'm down for some informal stuff. If you all ever want to organize an event, I'd love to go. But um, as far as me being an actual coven member, I, I don't have the time or the inclination. Yeah, no, I, I, I would totally give you that as advice. And I would give that as advice to anybody who, I mean, I've done it twice now. And the first time it didn't work. It takes a lot of time and effort to organize a coven and it's a major commitment. And if you are not completely and totally 110% invested, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And it's not just a matter of you have to be that invested. Everybody who is in, you know, in the group, who's in the, the planning stages and the formation stages, you all have to be that invested. It's, it's a, it's a lot like a house of cards. Everything has to be just right or it will fall apart. So I wouldn't feel bad at all. I would just say, you know, I just do not have time. I mean, I think that's a perfectly valid reason. And I don't think that, you know, especially if they're your friends, that shouldn't be something that comes across as, well, I'm, you know, he's just being pretentious. No. Though, you know, it's not bad to be pretentious all the time. Yeah. Sometimes uh-huh. it's a good thing. <sighs> yeah. Sometimes you can have a hit podcast and a very well-read blog in sightingariot.com. Um, and pretentious. <laughs> there was one other one in here. Do we want to do this? This another one from here? Yeah, because I don't... Oh, sure. Another one from his email? Yeah. Well, let's go right on ahead. Because there was another one that... And, and there were lots. There were several questions in this email. We're not going to do all of them right now. And we're but not there was go, other- We're not going to go as in-depth into these questions as we will in the book because we don't want to just, you know, we yeah. want to have a reason for you to buy our book. <laughs> they would buy the book anyway because they love us. I hope so. Or at least so. love me. They so love you. <laughs> I'm just here. <laughs> I can be pretentious too sometimes. It's okay. Um, but no, one of the other questions was, um, as a frat boy, I need to ask, what are your opinions of alcohol use in ritual? My friends are, in my opinion, more prohibition than me. I think what he means is they don't drink. Um, 
I would like to toast the gods and goddesses with actual alcohol. Nonetheless, they are uncomfortable due to losing control in ritual. I, okay. Okay. Again, I think that there is something maybe that you're not telling us. Because the way that your question is worded, there is a difference between toasting the god and goddess and having a nice little glass of, wine, of red wine to symbolize blood or however in your tradition you do it. And getting so trashed that you're so out of control that you all are, like, running around your circle and freaking out. Or, I don't know, are you all drinking absinthe to please the gods? Are you all (laughs) drinking LSD-laced wine? I mean, what is this that you are so afraid of losing control in ritual? And on the other side of it... um, you know, th- there is something to be said for uh, uh, entheogenic drugs. Um, I did do a, uh, an episode on that. Um, and... You're just you're just full of pimping yourself today, aren't you? Oh, like you didn't. Um, no, but uh... once compared to five, I'm counting so far from you. <laughs> it's okay. Continue. No, but but just to say that I I, I have done a little bit of research into it, um, and not that it is the be all end all of research, but. Uh, by any means, but um, there there is something to be said for losing a little bit of control in ritual, giving a little bit of your wall away to allow the divine to to come in and to to work. Um, So I don't know, maybe two glasses of wine is fine. But um, again, you know, there is a difference, again, between toasting the god and goddess, doing it in a ritual manner, in a reverent way, because I think that if you're doing it in a very reverent, uh, spiritually significant kind of way, you're not going to lose control. I mean, you you might physically get a little woozy or tipsy or something, but that's what alcohol does. But it, it also, in that state of woozy lightheadedness, may allow you to transcend just a little bit out of out of the confines of, of what you walked into circle with. Are you actually condoning the use of alcohol to help create an altered state of consciousness? I, well, if it's legal, a for you, um, don't go doing anything illegal. Uh, but B, um, again, I think that I am condoning, I am condoning, uh, (laughs) a ritual, a, a, a reverent amount of alcohol, whatever that has to be for you. But when you're, when you are just drinking just to become out of control or to, to just get sloshed, then that's, that's not okay anymore. You're not drinking for the God and goddess. You're not drinking for ritual purposes. You're just getting drunk for the hell of it. And you happen to be around some athames that you probably shouldn't be around. <laughs> okay. Don't run Fair with enough. Athamaze. He's running with Athamaze. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I can see t-shirts in my head now. Um, no, I think anytime you're working with a group of people, and this is one of those things that you need to talk about if you're going to create a coven, um, or even just a group that's going to work magic together or ritual together on a regular basis, you need to come to a consensus on whether or not you're going to use alcohol. Because... In my opinion, if there is one person in the group that is uncomfortable with it, it's probably something that you should not be doing as a group. Now, that's not to say that you can't go home and do an espit and drink whatever you want. But in a group setting, the group consciousness, the comfort factor of working in a group, 
you really, I mean, okay, I will be the first to tell you that the idea of perfect love and perfect trust is somewhat of a misnomer, but you need to be trying to form as close to perfect love and perfect trust with people that you're going to be doing magic or ritual with as possible. And if the fact that the other people don't want to drink is such a point of contention to you that it makes you not want to do it, maybe you shouldn't be doing ritual with those people. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with drinking in ritual. Um, depending on what God you worship, it could be very appropriate. Um, it could be very appropriate even to get sloshed. Um, but it's one of those things where you really need to be able to fully trust the people that you're practicing with. And that is one of those things that can sort of be a make or break. Um, personally, I don't see anything wrong with it, but I'm not a big drinker. I mean, I think the number of times I've actually used alcohol in ritual, I could probably count on one hand. I don't see the necessity for it. See, um, in, in ritual, I will drink like water sometimes if I feel that I need, you know, some sort of fruit juice or something. Like if it's a Beltane thing and I'm really, you know, thinking of spring or summer and, and the, you know, fertility and all of that kind of thing. Sometimes I, I will drink a fruit juice or like grape juice or something like that, but I'm not a big drinker. So I don't know. I mean, I, I will say there seems to be this kind of thing in the pagan community where it must be wine or it must be alcohol. And, you know, I, I that I don't understand. Um, well, it has I, to be. I don't really get why it has to be. Um, but you're There's right. There does seem to be that it. sort of, yeah, there seems to be that feeling for a lot of people. But I mean, it's something that really, if you're going to be working with other people, you need to be able to come to a compromise and say, you know, okay, you know, we can have, you know, a glass of wine that we pass around the circle or, you know, whatever, but we're not going to get sloshed. We're not going to, you know, exceed whatever it is in ritual. Uh, or, you know, you can just sort of agree to not drink if it's really that big a deal to them. But these are the kind of things that you really have to sort of work out before you go into ritual with people. And it is definitely a point of contention. I mean, like you said, there are definitely people who will say it is not ritual if you are not drinking. And I've never felt that way. No, to me, it, I, to me, it doesn't really matter because to me, the point of ritual isn't to drink. The point of ritual is to have ritual. Well, and, and I know, I know, you know, in the, uh, and for a lot of people, you know, like things like red wine or wine in general tends to be kind of a substitute for blood, for blood sacrifice. And that's historically, or at least in some veins of faith, that's where that came from in ritual. Having wine in ritual or alcohol in ritual tended to come from a substitution of blood. Um, because I know, at least, especially in the Christian faith, the belief is that whenever you are taking in the bread and the wine, it is becoming the body of Christ inside of you. That's why, right. that's why Catholic priests after mass will sit around and drink all of the rest of the wine because once it's been blessed, they believe that it has turned into the blood of Christ and that you can't waste any of it. Um, and then they will get, uh, sloshed. Um, <laughs> which is, it's so yeah. interesting to learn how other people think believe it's i i like studying other religions um yes but we did have one other email if we're done with this one that oh sure okay uh we got one last email and for those of you that just loved episode two <laughs> oh are we gonna are we gonna do this are we gonna get into this yeah well but remember you and i talked about it i read the email and we said like one thing to one another and we were like oh no i agree 
Well, yeah, I know, but that but that was also after the other conversation that we had about this where we sort of agreed. So right. that conversation is missing for the listening audience. Okay. So, so do I need to say it then, like out loud so that it's recorded and for posterity and you can always go back and rewind and listen to it whenever you want to hear it? You know, I would appreciate it. Would you? Okay. I would. I really would. Wait a minute. Let me get let me get ready. Let me get ready. <laughs> so, okay. So several weeks ago, I called um, Velma Nightshade and I said, ring, ring, <laughs> ring, ring. You're not picking up. Ring, oh, ring. sorry. Hello. Uh, hi, is this Miss Nightshade? <laughs> <laughs> and please don't make me snort my Pepsi out my nose. It hurts when it does that. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> Ms. Nightshade, I just wanted to let you know that I have a telegram from Firelight, and it, <laughs> it just has it, it just has two words on it, um, and I don't know what they mean, but it says he agrees. So I <gasps> really, I have conceded the point of the fake flowers, and it was after the American Gods book that I read, which is coming up on a big roundtable discussion for episode fifty of Inciting a Riot. This is now six times. Um, seven, but okay. <laughs> uh, but who's counting? Well, you're going to be on it, so it's a plug for you too. Only if I get, to, only if I read the book. <laughs> Better hurry up and read it. I'm still on page three. I can't help it. You bad witch. I might be able to get some done this weekend. You Please better. continue with your point. Um, but no, I conceded it, and you know, I, I conceded the idea of of fake flowers, um, of like a fake rose not having the power of a rose. It is not a true uh, substitute for a rose, which is sort of the point that I was trying to make in the beginning was that it was, and that was, and and now looking back on that, that argument makes absolutely no sense. Um, so that a, was what I thought at the time. A, but yes, a silk rose cannot be the same as a real rose in magic. Right. So, and I conceded that point probably, what, a month, month and a half ago? Yeah, about that. Um, then we get this email from Lunatala. And Lunatala says, <clears throat> Hey, Velma and Firelight. I wonder how Lunatala would sound. Hey, Velma and Firelight. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Just read it. I know I'm totally late. However, okay, I, seriously, stop. I had an intriguing question, Mom. Thank you. <laughs> Fake flowers. Sorry, Firelight. By the way, my name is two words, not one. Um, That's I okay. I screw that up all the time. Every time I, somebody types my name that is not me, I have never had an email. I had one person email me. I think I've had one person email me that actually spelled it correctly and made two words out of it. That's okay. I used to do it that way, too. All one word. I know. Yeah. In fact, you wrote me the other day and, and said it that way as well. Um, yeah, I'm sure you did. Uh, fake flowers. Sorry, firelight. No way, no how for use in spells or totems, symbols, whatever. Smiley face. However, would it be okay to use something like a glass rose as a spell ingredient? I know that glass is usually man-made, but glass can also be made naturally. Lightning and sand, yada yada. Does the forging by man into the shape of a rose dilute the energy of the glass? The same could be said about a clay rose. If you mold the clay into the shape of a rose and then bake it to set, does that dilute its natural properties? Or would this be an acceptable addition to a spell? Essentially, in the case of a clay rose, you would be molding earth and water and setting it with fire. Bleh. Uh, while air would cool it. You now have an item that has been created using a small portion of all the elements, plus whatever intent you put into during creation, which could arguably be considered spirit. So now you have an 
item uh, that is fully created with all the elements. I think this would be a great thing to use. You can even then go the extra mile to uh, the extra, oh God, the extra mile to imbue runes into it and even paint it with corresponding colors. My point is, at what point during creation does the object stop being natural if it is made using natural ingredients? I know that plastic is obvious, but in general, but in a general sense. Thanks for humi- hu- bleh, humoring me, and I'm back to catching up the re- to the rest of the show. LOL. Can I, do you want me to just give my answer first? I I, I, I I'm I, sorry. My my head hurts after that. My brain is aching. So okay. Um, I get what they're saying. I get what Lunatal is saying. I, I, I get it. And I get, yes. However, to, I mean, I, I think that she needs to be again, just a case of, you know, an, an email you never can give every single specific, but we need to make a distinguishment here. Um, are you saying that the glass rose or the clay rose or the silk rose or the brass rose or whatever it's going to be? is going to have the same power as a rose, be the same energetic thing as a rose, and therefore you are substituting it in spells where you have need of a rose so that you don't ever have to go out and buy roses or something like that? Or are you using it, again, as a totem or a symbol or whatever, as she said? Um, Because one kind of works and one so does not. And I think that if you're using a glass rose as a real rose, then then no, um, not at all. Because glass is glass; it's not a rose. Um, however, go ahead. I think it would be just fine to use, but not as a rose. That's that's the fundamentally that's the issue, is that a rose is only a rose. And by any okay. other name, it probably wouldn't smell as sweet. I knew you were going to say that. I was trying so hard not to let that come out of my <laughs> mouth that it was just going to come out of yours. Okay. No, but my my point is a rose is a rose, right? A picture of a rose is not a rose. A no. daisy is not a rose. No. A, a you know, clay, hand-molded, beautiful rose is is not a rose. But what so, if I paint it red with a green stem and make thorns? My point is, and and this is one of those cases where you would probably have to look at how the rose is being used in the spell. Exactly. Because if the purpose of the rose is as a symbol of the things that the rose represents, love, romance, whatever, then to me, using an artificial substitution as that symbol is okay. But if what you're supposed to do is, you know, take the petals from a rose and burn them, it's not, you're, you're actually using it as an ingredient. Like, okay. Here's, here's... It would not be something that you would substitute at least not with a man-made thing. Here's you might a really switch good, out. Here's a really good example. Okay. So you have a spell. And in it, one of the spell ingredients is you need to make rose water. Right. And uh, you do one of two things. A, you go down to the florist and you get a rose 
and you take the rose petals off and you dump them in a small pot of water and you boil it or you let it simmer or whatever and you Mm -hmm. make rose water and then you siphon out the petals and now you have rose water that has the essence of rose. The oils that are in the rose brought out and put into the water and now you have rose water that you can use. Right. You don't have rose water from taking a glass rose and boiling it in water. No. You still have water. Yes. You have hot water, yes, <laughs> but it is not hot rose water. Oh, that's great. That's great. I love that. You're wonderful. Oh, thank you. I love you, Velma Nightshade. <laughs> um, but no, you know, so if you are using it as a spell ingredient that is supposed to be a rose, it is not a rose. However... You know, if you are using it as a symbol of vitality because it's a plant, if you're using it as a symbol of beauty because you think it is a beautiful object, I mean, that is a different story. Because, again, so much of magic, or at least so much of many kinds of magic, is symbolic. I mean, it's like painting a picture of hunters hunting a deer and and, and trying to kill the deer and killing the deer, uh, like you see in cave walls. It, it's They did not create a deer by painting the deer. It is right. symbolic. It's sympa- that, well, that kind of sympathetic magic. But um, it, is, it is a symbol of the thing you want to happen, which is typically right. how a lot of witches create magic, is, is creating a sympathetic or symbolic version of what they want to happen and making mm-hmm. that manifest in the real world. Right. It is it is a very interesting question that's brought up at one at what point does a man-made object What did she say exactly? At what point during creation does the object stop being natural if it's made of nat- using natural ingredients? It doesn't. But at the same time, you can take all the clay in the world, you're not going to turn it into a rose. It's not a question of having it be natural or unnatural in this context. Now, the silk roses versus actual roses, yes, that was an issue. But in this in this discussion, it's not a question of whether or not it is natural. And yes, you're absolutely right. Glass happens naturally. Um, but so does clay it's a, it's and a, so does silk. Right. Well, but it's a question of whether or not the thing that you're creating is what you're trying to make it into because right. i mean no matter how hard you try even if you take you know organic materials and you know glue you know actual rose petals together it's not really a rose no i mean it's it's only a rose if it grew that way now that's not to say that you can't use you know a facsimile as a representation of that and what that means but you're never going to actually make a rose out of clay. And so, therefore, depending on what you need the rose for and what its purpose is in the spell, you may or may not be able to use a substitution that is man-made out of clay or glass or silk or whatever the case may be. So basically, as an ingredient, um, it is it does not work. No matter what you make it out of, no matter how pretty you make it, as an ingredient in a spell, it doesn't work. As a symbol for a characteristic that you would like if you're tr- if you make i don't know a little bouquet of very pretty silk roses and you are wanting that to be a symbol of i don't know f- friendship for yourself and since it's silk and it doesn't 
die down. You know, you don't have to worry about your spell ingredients being destroyed. But you are basically just, you know, say you're wearing like a, a like a daisy or a sunflower pendant or something. Uh, and it's just supposed to, you know, help brighten your mood because it's the symbol of the sun to you or something like that. As that, then it is a different story. I mean, it's like wearing right. a symbol of the moon, um, you know, to celebrate femininity. It's like wearing a... a uh, I don't know, something to sell, you know, symbolize something else. Um, you know, again, it's the difference between, is it a symbol or is it a spell ingredient? Right. Which it is so refreshing to hear you say that, because if you go back and listen to the episode, that is exactly what I was saying in the episode. And I am so glad that you are not fighting me tooth and nail on this anymore. Well, no, but I'm glad, uh, I'm my glad you finally <laughs> my my hang up my hang up was I was not getting to the level of I can use a silk I can use a fake flower as a symbol of something but it is not the something and I was not quite getting over that hump I don't know why I wasn't getting over that hump but <laughs> we still have it we we're not going to talk about it right now but we still have an issue when it comes to talking about rocks we're it we're was, not going to get into it right it was, now but we still have some issues we're, we're still trying to work that out yeah well. <laughs> You're wrong. That's all that needs to be worked out on that. <laughs> no, no, not so much. Not so much. Um, if you have any crazy questions for us, uh, we we will be uh, using pretty much all questions that are sent to us from now until August 1st uh, in the book, the as yet untitled, as yet unwritten book. Um, yes. If you'd like to send those to us, please, please do. We uh, Brooke at the iPod Witch advertised that we were asking for questions. And Yay! You Brooke. Yeah, and I, I think I, I, one other podcast said something about it as well, but I don't remember it. But I do remember Brooke uh, said something about it. So thanks, Brooke, at the iPod Witch. Was that Magic and Mundane? Yes. Yes, it was. Yes. With Seven. Yes. yes. She just put it out episode three. Yep. It's a new show. You guys should check it out. Uh, we'll get to new shows here and in a second. Not just because she talks about us. No. <laughs> or you specifically several times. Um, yeah, well. <laughs> everybody loves me what can i say i think I'm, i think when we get to the super mood i'm gonna wear a shirt that says velma 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 <laughs> okay jan um no but if you would like to send us questions please do the email address for our joint show please do not send them to us individually and if you send it to our joint address you do not also have to cc uh, inciting a ride podcast at gmail.com and Velma at which is com. I promise we both do read the, the joint email. We do obsessively. So yes. you, you do, and we get it on our, on our, on our iPhones and iPods and stuff. So believe me, when you send it, we will both see it. So, we will see it. Yes. Yeah, you don't have to CC the other two. Cause then I'm like, well, why no. is this a different email? What is this? So anyways, inciting a brouhaha at gmail.com. And just in case you're unsure of how to spell that because you're listening to the show and somehow found it. Um, it is inciting, which I hope you know how to spell, um, a brouhaha, B-R-E-W-H-A-H-A, like haha, um, because that's what it is. Uh, inciting a brouhaha, all one word, no underscores or hyphens or spaces or anything, at gmail.com. So send those two, uh, questions to us and any kind of question. And it doesn't have to be about correspondences or it can be about the nature of dating. Send us some really, like, interesting philosophical questions, like some meaty stuff. We want some steak. We want some yes. some big, fat, juicy steak from we need red whole, meat. whole foods that has been dry. Okay, stop. Stop. Old. Enough with the whole foods. It's okay. 
I'm it's okay. so hungry for food right now. Well, see, that's what happens when you don't eat before we record. Oh. See, I came home and had Mexican food, and I am, I'm good. Okay, did you have Mexican food, or did you have Taco Bell? Because the two are very different things. I had Mexican food. Thank you very much. I went down to the Mexican restaurant that's run by real Mexican people okay, and got some real was... Mexican food and came home and ate it, and it was delicious. Was the woman's name, like, Maria or Guadalupe or, you know... Gomez or something because if not then it wasn't real Mexican food. Her name was Lena. Does that work for you? Possibly, but that also might be like, you know, Lithuanian or something. She's not Lithuanian, she's Mexican. <laughs> well, good. As the, long as it's real. I barely spoke English. Okay, is that enough for you? <laughs> yes. As long as she barely yeah. speaks English and it's real Mexican food. Oh, yeah. my my, my, my pseudo mother-in-law is coming in uh, in about a week and a half, so I will have very real Mexican food made by a very real Mexican woman in my very real kitchen. Well, I am very, really happy for you. Good. You should be very, really jealous, too. Maybe I'll send some to you. I don't think it would work very well. I don't think Mexican food ships very well. Okay, so you don't want me to send you Gino's East either. Gotcha. Okay, don't send food no, to see, Velma. No, Gino's East is different because pizza, pizza ships beautifully. I'm just okay. saying. Uh, so anyway, so uh, send those emails inciting a brouhaha at gmail.com. Yes, and we need to wrap this up, but I do. we do need to talk about a couple of things. There are some new shows out that are fantastic, fantastic. that you need to check out. need out. to check them out. Like, as soon as this show is over, go to your computer. Yeah, finish and our down- show. Finish well, our yeah, show obviously. first. Obviously, we might say something profound at the end, and you wouldn't want to miss it. Oh God, because we are. I'm not saying that's likely. I'm just saying it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's never likely on this show. Um, one of the first uh, shows that you and I have gotten so super excited about is the Witch's View podcast. Yes, I love this one. Warning, disclaimer: it is. What's the word? Foul mouthed. Yes, there we go. They they are. Big, bold, sassy, and brassy. They they, they, they like are, the word fuck. They like they the do, word fuck. They like lot. it a lot. They love it. They're big yes. fans. There are some other ones that they like too, but that is the favorite. That and is a big favorite. So, yes, just be warned. I mean, it's a fantastic show. You definitely need to listen to it, but just not with small children in the car because that would be a problem. Uh, you can get to it by going to witchesview.podbean.com. That's W-I-T-C-H-E-S-V-I-E-W.podbean.com. It's a coven of six witches, which half of them are the high priestesses of the coven, which is interesting. I don't know how that works. Well, they, they tell you how that works, Velba, in episode uno of the Witches View podcast. But it's Okay, but see, episode one is the one that I have not listened to because oh. another another quick disclaimer, the audio quality on, on the first episode, it's really, really low. So it's really, really quiet. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to listen to, but they do fix that as of episode two and all the rest of them are fine. Yes, so they're all very don't, good. don't just listen to the first one and go, I can't listen to this because it's just that one episode. And if you are just somebody, if you are an audiophile and you just cannot listen to quiet stuff like that, just, just go ahead and download episode two and just subscribe. Yeah. Just go ahead and do yourself a favor. Uh, they Now they have two kinds of episodes uh, because obviously mm-hmm. not all six of them are together all the time. Uh, so they have Pagan Ponderings episodes, which is just Essie and... Uh, Emmy. Emmy. Emmy and Essa. Yes. And, some, and sometimes the other one. Oh my God, what's Mo. her name? Mo. Mo was on. Mo, yes. yes. 
Um, and, but the, the pagan ponderings are just kind of rambly shows and it's, it's not, of course, you know, the whole thing is kind of a rambly show, but it's, it's nice. Um, and it's really it's interesting. More just sort of, it's more just sort of discussion. Yes. The pagan ponderings are just sort of discussion as opposed to the regular episodes, which have a little bit more structure. Yeah, a little topics. bit, a little bit. Yeah. There's topics to them. Uh, was there another show you want to talk about? Um, well, we already mentioned magic and mundane. Yes. Which is just getting started. And episode three, I think, just came out. Baby podcast. It's a baby podcast. Baby podcast. Yes. Um, but what's interesting is she has some segments that she's going to be doing that are segments that really there isn't anybody else who's doing. Um, like what, like she has, Velma? Like, well, she has a segment that she calls Oh Gods that is basically she talks about a pair of deities on each episode, which is really interesting because there really aren't any other shows that are using that as a focus for Not a segment. So, no. There used to be yeah. some shows. I know Dio Shadow had a mythology segment um, many years ago. There were there used to be some shows that discussed deities. Um, but no, you're right. They they really haven't done that in a while. Yeah. So so that's that's definitely a show to keep your eye on. Your dog's barking, things are happening, people are walking in the room. What's going on? Uh, oh hi! <laughs> hi! I can see you. Partner just got home from work. <laughs> um, no, we are wrapping up a show. We are. Yes. Uh, the The other one I wanted to talk about was um, not a new podcast, but it's a new to me podcast. Uh-huh. It's uh, called Cacophonos Internet Radio. Cacophonos. Cacophonos. Yes. yes. Cacophonos Internet Radio. I have just started listening to it, so I apologize to all of you folks that just love the show. Um, I do also love the show. It reminds me of The Infinite and the Beyond, but with more funny skits and uh, one more Viking. Um, so it's <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. And I do uh, have it on very good authority um, from the host, Ricky Lacoste, that we will be on his next episode in promo form. And so will, <gasps> so will you and so will I. So we all... The three shows will be promoted uh, very heavily by Mr. Lacoste, who is just... That is amazing. Is just hilarious. He is very talented. Very talented. See, he... I listen to his show. It's it's so funny because every once in a while, I will hear a show that makes me go, oh my God, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Oh, Like you listen to it, you're like, it is so good. And it's so well produced. Yes. And there's bits. And skits and the you know audio voices and it is insane and the and, amount of editing that he does is just yeah, incredible and, and his and show it makes notes me so, so tiny and insignificant his show notes at cacophonos.com which is k a k o p h o n o s dot com cacophonos.com um, his show notes are interactive and there's like more stuff in the show notes there's like videos and pictures it's like how um, uh, uh, Kathleen at Borealis Meditation also has the PowerPoints that go along with her shows well he's got these incredible show notes so it makes me feel um, really bad about yeah. my own podcast yeah it, it definitely makes me feel like a beginner like I don't know what I'm doing yeah yeah but yeah. that's great because it's a great show <laughs> <laughs> it is a great show, and I'm so glad that that you discovered it and told me about it, and and now I'm on the bandwagon. So, yes, everybody needs oh, to check it out. He has a awesome. really he has a really interesting regular segment in which Oriah the Sphinx at uh, Media Astra Actera goes on and does that. It's a uh, pathworking segment, um, and she goes in depth into one tarot card each podcast. And uh, right now, she's obviously doing because everybody starts with the major arcana. Um, 
So she started there, and she started with the fool and is working her way up. But, oh, my goodness gracious, to hear her talk about the, the tarot, I am an idiot. I am the dumbest human being on the planet. And you can rewind that say. and listen to it again because I am just not <laughs> smart. I am not smart in comparison with Oriah and Chris and Ricky Lacoste and some of these. And you, goodness gracious, and some of these podcasters out there that <sighs> know so much. Araya never ceases to amaze me. She is the busiest woman in podcasting I have ever seen. She has Media Astra Octera. She has The Scrying Bowl, which is a daily meditation podcast. Mm. Mm. And now she's mm. doing a segment on Cacophonus. I mean, girl can't be stopped. She is just... And she's got like several black belts. I mean, come on now. Yeah, she's, she's insane. She's crazy. Please. So I think... If I remember rightly, she is one of the podcasters who has confirmed that she is coming to the Pagan Podkin Supermoot. Yes, let's talk about that before we wrap up the show. We are yes. having a Supermoot. Yes, like, oh, very, super and we'll moot. talk about it very quickly because we've already talked about it once. But the biggest update at this point is we're working on plans for where we're going to be, what we're going to be doing, all of that kind of stuff. But there is now a website. I've gotten emails. Is there a website I can go to check this out? Yes, there is now. Paganpodkin.com is the official home to the Pagan Podkin Supermoot. And there you can sign up. Like You can become a member of the site, although at this point there's no exclusive member content. No, it's a, so it's a webs.com website. It's one of those webs.com, how a while back a lot of podcasters were really into the you know, like iPodWitch.webs.com. It's a webs.com, right. so you can sign up. So eventually we'll probably have forums and contests and stuff. But right now, maybe it's just but, a site yeah. for information. Yeah, and there are some pictures and, and like a little description of what we did last year and who was there last year. But then if you go into the um, PPSM 2011 tab, there is a list there. And we're going to keep this... As Firelight and I are both sort of co-organizing this event, we're going to try our best not to, like, you know, have conflicting information. <coughs> but so far, we haven't had a whole lot of luck with that. Um, <laughs> but we're going to try to keep tabs on who's coming, who thinks they're going to be able to come, um, you know, that kind of thing, so that you can kind of keep an eye on who is going to be there. And then we're also going to be updating that as soon as we know where we're going to be, when we're going to be there, exactly what's going on. So we have you can a, get we have a list. We have lists on um and I I basically put the information up on on incitingariot.com as well under the tab before we had the website just so that there was a place to start keeping the information. Cuz he cuz he didn't know that I already had the web address yeah. and yeah. Anyways, so see but we have we, we have a list basically of podcasters that are definitely so you can kind of keep up with is your favorite podkin because sometimes it may not be us. Sometimes we may not be the big draw. Sometimes you may be wondering if, is Mojo and Sparrow, are Mojo and Sparrow coming? Well, if, are you, look they at coming? Pa if you look at PaganPodkin.com, you will see that they are in the podcasters that are probably attending. Those that are 80% sure or better that they will be in attendance. So Mojo yes. and Sparrow will probably be there. But then yes. you might ask, is Brooke from the iPod Witch podcast going to be there? And you might look on the website and say, nay. She has not responded to the great firelight and Velma Nightshade. <laughs> we should probably email Brooke and say, Brooke, are you coming or not? <laughs> well, okay, to be fair, we haven't actually officially invited anybody yet. No. 
No, we are sending. <laughs> the we actual are... invitations still haven't gone out yet, but it's like it's basically it's like a wedding. We sent out a save the date thing, and yes. we've already gotten people who are like, "Yes, I'm there." Yes. So the official invites will go out um, within the April. next month or two. Yeah, sometime in April we are. But don't yeah. worry if you were not on the save the date email. Apparently, like six people that were aren't even podcasting anymore because that's how much we keep up with the entire pagan podcasting world. Sometimes. Yes, we're, we're working on it. But it so the fast. point is, you can go to paganpodkin.com, click on the 2011 tab, and look and see who has already confirmed. Now, we are not putting a list of people that we haven't heard back from or people who have said no. We're just going to keep a list of the people who are coming. So if you don't see them on the list, they're either not coming or we haven't heard back from them yet. Um, but definitely check back you know, every so often, because that will be updated as we get more information also. Right. And we'll tweet that, I'm sure, you know, hey, updates made to paganpodkin.com. Go ahead and go look. Um, and but- I think actually, if you be- if you if you do become a member of the site, I think there's a way that you can set your member settings so that you get an email if the site's updated. So that's another way you can do it if you're fanatical. <laughs> <laughs> like we are about our own stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we are so excited. Every once in a while, one or the other of us will call the other one and go, Oh my God, I'm so excited. I just can't wait till September. I'm so excited. It's very sad. <laughs> yeah, recently that has been me. Um, and she's doing a very good impression. See, and I was calling you like a month ago going, Oh my God, I'm so excited. I can't wait to go back to Salem. And you're like, It's not till September. Calm down. Well, you know what? It's only March. It's not till September. Calm down, Firelight. <laughs> yes, but we're like two months into it, so it's a lot closer now. And oh my god, we're going to the super moon. Yeah, <laughs> if my math if my math is right, we have almost almost exactly two hundred days. You're counting the day. You are actually literally counting the days until super moot. I took a calendar and numbered them. Yes. Oh Jesus! That is how OCD I am. Oh my I goodness! Openly admit it. Oh, goodness gracious. I think, I think it's technically 194 days until I leave, but I'm going to get there like five or six days before everybody else. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and there are going to be a lot of events. Listeners, please don't be sad, but there's going to be some things that are just for the podkin. Yes. We, like Because we, we want to geek out over each other, too. Yes. Because we're all fans of one another and we want to meet each other too and, and not have to be Firelight and Velma Nightshade. Right. We- but I think we are in a unique position this year because my understanding is, and I have not gotten official confirmation on this yet, but my understanding is that um, Eastern Massachusetts Pagan Pride Day yes. is the Sunday of that weekend. So we'll be doing the meet and greet in Salem on Saturday. Could we and then planned that more perfectly? I mean, really? Big pagan festival, big pagan festival on Sunday. So yes. yeah, unlike last year, I think there will be two days when you can sort of meet and hang out with the podkin yes. this year. So yeah. And, and we will, st- if we say that we're going to be somewhere until two, we will be there until 201. Well, okay. Salem is also a lot different than witchy wearables because yes. witchy wearables, we actually left in Salem. There's only like three blocks that you walk along. So, you know, we, we should be an easy pack to spot walking around Salem on Saturday. But Well, it might be a very big pack at, at, at the rate that we're going. Well, that'll just make it easier to spot. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, just look for Velma in her pointy hat. I will probably not be wearing a pointy hat. They're very difficult she to get on an airplane. wearing a pointy hat. 
No. Although last time I was in Salem, I just have to tell you this. I was so impressed. There is a like upscale kitchen store on the main drag in Salem. And in the window, they had mannequins with very, very cute little kitchen aprons and matching witch hats. And I thought only in Salem would you see an apron with a matching witch hat in the window of a kitchen store. It was fantastic. I loved it. My dad had to take pictures. It was fantastic. We shall get you an apron and matching witch hat. That would be awesome. Although I have, I have witch hats that I've made myself, you know. If you pray to the Nog, dear Nog, please let Velma get a matching witch hat for her witchy apron. And let's see if the Nog can handle that request. Um, I think that's a show. I think that's more than a show. I think that's very much more than a show now that I have to go back and edit out my name. Yes. And now that I was supposed to be over at a friend's house like 45 minutes ago to watch our typical Friday night stupid movies. Yay, stupid movies on Friday night. I'm going to yes. go enjoy ice cream because I nearly broke my toe today and it's probably is broken. So yippee, oh, I get ice cream. always not broken. Would you stop whining? So broken. It, it is hurts. not broken. If you didn't break your thumb when it was all purple, then your toe's not broken. Um, well, finally, it's not purple anymore. It used no. to be. Yeah. It was purple for like three months. Yeah. It was very disturbing. Yeah, it was disturbing. Be you glad we don't make video. Oh, yes. Be very glad because eventually <laughs> this is not pretty to look at. Um, or this, trust me. Uh, never mind. I'm just, whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> just going to shut up. Shut yes, up. that's a good idea. <laughs> uh, but I will shut up because we, we have done a show. So we are going to say later, witches. Yes, later, witches. Bye. Bye.